0: Hi, and welcome to The Commons at HBC, a podcast and virtual space for community, conversation, and connection brought to you by the Young Adult Ministry of Highland Baptist Church in Louisville, Kentucky. I am your host, David Bannister, longtime member who's volunteered all over the church. If this is your first time listening, welcome. The concept is simple. We will meet with our guest, hear what's going on at the church, and discuss this past week's sermon. So let's get started. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to the Commons at HBC. I am your host, David Bannister, and today we have a great show for you. Uh, uh, Our guest is Lily Glover. Hey, Lily, how's it going?
1: Hi, I'm doing well. How are you?
0: I'm good. I'm good. I'm so thankful we could get you. Uh, for those that don't know, Lily is the last of the Young Adult Ministry Group members that I've been trying to uh, get on the show, and I'm so excited that you could join us today.
1: You finally got me. Well, <laughs> thank you. I'm really glad to be here, too. Uh,
0: so we uh, have a few short questions to talk about in an interview, and then we will jump into some announcements from Aaron Phelps. And then we'll talk and discuss the sermon from this week. Um, so l- going on with the interview, uh, how long have you been attending Highland and what brought you here?
1: Well, it's, um, it's probably been about two years now. And uh, I, whenever I moved to Louisville, I was looking around at different congregations, specifically looking for congregations that were open and affirming. Um, and it's, for for a long time, it's always been more of an academic thing. Um, my background in uh, churches has been uh, difficult. Uh, growing up queer in the Deep South, it was very difficult to find uh, congregations that were accepting and and also reflected my theology, you know, and, and had a strong foundation in the Bible and, you know, uh, interpretations that that I find meaningful and life-giving um, and I eventually ended up uh, studying under several wonderful professors um, throughout my undergraduate times in school um, including Barbara Brown Taylor um, and I felt right at home you know chatting with her and having conversations with her about faith and finding God outside of the four walls of, of a small church you know about uh, being out in a field and and writing prayers and you know praying praying next to a river and going on a hike and connecting to God or finding God in, in actions with people you know in day to day life you know those were things that were very very much what I had been doing to survive spiritually you know for a long time so you, you know finding a congregation uh, it was it, it wasn't something I expected, um, but I still felt. You know, I still felt a draw. I still felt the need to be in a larger, you know, foundation, foundational community. Um, you know, located where I'm located. You know, I plan on being here for a little while. I was, you know, hoping to get into school, and uh, you know, I wanted a faith a faith congregation to, to you know to, to journey with. Uh, so whenever I started looking, I I made a big list of lots of different congregations, and I went and you know I took notes during the sermons and you know went home and I made charts and I you know put up sticky notes and you know made comparisons and excel spreadsheets and you know, all these all these different things and you know just way way over the top you know uh, analyzing different you know theological foundations and traditions and things that i 'd see in here and and I went to Highland Highland was next up on the list and I sat down and I got my notepad out and I started you know, I started jotting things down, and then I lost, I lost my train of thought, and I was just, I was paying attention to what was going on, and I was, uh, I, Lauren was the first person who I, you know, heard uh, preaching the sermon, and I was, I was like, this is great, this is all, this is fantastic, I'm, I'm totally here for this, and I was like, I, I think I should come back next week, and so I did, and, uh, I got to your gym, and you gave a great sermon, and I, came back the next week and it was Perry. And I came back the next week, I believe it was um, Carol. And, you know, I just kept coming back week after week after week. And it was like, I finally felt like I'd found a place to be. Um, I finally felt like I'd found a a spiritual home. So still, still feeling it still coming back every week.
0: (laughs) You know, we all, that first sermon, everyone has a story about the first sermon they hear at Highland. Yeah it's yep, wonderful.
1: I, I was writing notes and I just, you know, put my pen down and started snapping my fingers like, yes, yes, this is great. Great. <laughs> 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 I, I, I'm here for this. So.
0: Yeah. All right. Well, how, how do you spend your free time?
1: Uh, the, well, there's, there's not much to spend, although, um, I, I just finished up, um, a semester at Louisville Presbyterian Theological Seminary, so I've got a little more free time than I had a few weeks ago. Um, Most of what little free time I do have, I love to ride my bike. Um, I cycle a lot. I also hike a lot. I camp. Um, I love going out and, you know, taking a couple days and just being out in the woods, out out at a campground. Um, You know, I grew up traveling and hiking a lot with my parents and you know that was that was always something that was meaningful for me and you know being able to connect to nature um I also write um, and I read a lot mostly mostly theology mostly um you know different theological writings and a lot of uh political commentary um a lot of political philosophy as well those are things that just kind of like keep keep my gears turning and keep me um you know active and engaged with you know with what's going on so
0: Awesome. Well, speaking of your work at Lou Prez, I've heard about this big paper that you recently turned in. And I would like you to tell us about this big paper. Like can you give us a, a little bit of a rundown? I hear it's thirty pages. Sure, but it's a it's a, so it's a I don't long, want you but... to, I don't want you to read it to us, but I want you to right. tell us about it. What what did you find?
1: Sure. Well I started uh, I started working on a uh, um on this paper, and it it was supposed to be just kind of a short research paper. And uh, as I got more and more into it, and more and more into the details of what I was uh, discussing and analyzing, it just kind of turned into. Uh, you know, I sat down at the end of it, and I was, I was like, "This is a, almost as long as my undergraduate thesis." <laughs> it just kind of ran away from me. But uh, it's it's a wonderful it's a wonderful topic, and I'm very passionate about it. Um, I looked at. Um, a book by a theologian named Leonardo Boff, and he is, uh, he's from Brazil, and he's still alive. He wrote a book um, back in, he started writing back in the late 70s, early 80s, and he wrote a book um, called Church, Charism, and Power, um, and it's a foundational book for understanding liberation theology, um, which liberation theology also influenced gay liberation theology here in the United States. Um, and there are a lot of roots between gay uh, liberation theology, um, black liberation theology, South American liberation theology. Um, all of those have different you know, connections and communities that are connected to each other. Um, so I looked at that book and I decided that I wanted to read that and it's kind of expand on that from a queer perspective. Um, Boff outlines some traditional models of ecclesiology, which is uh, the study of how churches are structured, and the study of church history, what our history looks like, and who we are as a a church with a capital C, what that that global church body looks like. Uh, And he offers these traditional models and and talks about some of the pitfalls that some of those models um, run into. And then he offers up a new model of ecclesiology, um, he calls it a church uh, from the poor instead of a church with the poor um, or for the poor. It's it's a church from the bottom up. It's a church that is restructured around lifting up these communities and not only lifting them up but um, being able to uh, restructure in a way that Um, revolutionizes what, how power is distributed in the church. Um, So looking at that from a queer perspective, you know, it's it's a lot of questions of what does a queer church look like? Um, You know, what does it mean to be in a church that is queer? And, you know, not just a church that has people who are queer in the pews. Not just a church where um, there are bodies, queer bodies present but a church where queerness is embodied, where queerness itself is present. And a lot of times that ends up pushing past um, a lot of traditionally understood barriers because queerness is, there's a sense inherently of something political there. There's a sense of something that goes against the standard accepted narrative, against the cultural narrative. Um, And there's even a little bit of danger there, you know, similar to how whenever we talk about, uh, you know, sanctuary churches, um, you know, is this, there are lots of questions over, you know, is this within the boundaries of the law? Is this something legally that we can do? And if it's not, is it something that we are still theologically compelled to do? Is it something that is still a requirement? theologically speaking, that we should be paying attention to. Um, and I, I feel very much the same way about queerness in the church. Um, you know, a, a lot of times um, we'll see acceptance and we'll see affirmation, but we won't necessarily, there's still sort of a separation. There's still kind of people being kept at arm's length, kind of a conditioned safety that has been placed on us by this predominant cultural narrative that tells us that to remain to remain safe we have to keep a certain distance and if we really or not want be to too
0: gay
1: right exactly or not you know we can't be too gay you can't be too don't rock the boat you know isn't isn't it enough that we're allowed to be here you know and i think that's it's a long conversation that's been going on you know traditionally in theology and ecclesiology you know, when, when we started seeing that theology was dominated specifically by older white men, mm-hmm. you know, there was a movement to bring in women and female voices into these spaces. And once that happened, you know, we were also then able to see, well, it's still predominantly white. And mm-hmm. even these, these women are giving us these wonderful theologies, they still have uh, restrictions and blinders in certain ways that you know, kind of restrict the conversation and, and keep us from having certain, certain topics being brought up or discussed, um, certain actions from being taken. And so whenever we bring in women of color, we have more um, you know, womanist movements. But you know, we, we can still see as more and more people keep getting invited to the table we can see the ways in which other people are still being kept away and other, other groups are still being restricted. Um, and as queer theology has sort of blossomed over the years, you know, it started out very foundational uh, apologetics, justification for us to be here, that we should be allowed to exist. Um, and as we've sort of moved from apologetics into a little bit more of like well, okay, it's, it's fine that you're here and we accept that you're here. You know, welcome to the table. We still have that question, like you said, of, you know, how gay is too gay? You know, yeah. how loud is too loud? You know, it's too, and it comes back to that same old conversation about respectability politics. You know, put the, put the suits in the front and put the loud, you know, drag queens and trans women and women of color, put all of them in the back we don't need to hear that. You know, it's going to scare people off. You know, when really I think, you know, one of the big things I talk about in the paper is um, seeing queerness in the Bible and seeing queerness in our church history and seeing, you know, ways in which Jesus can be held as a model for authenticity and a divine difference that is respected and acknowledged. You know, whenever we see Jesus is unapologetically different. He, he does not shy away from speaking and doing things and being and embodying that divine difference. You know, so in what ways can we hold that as a model for how we interact with each other and what our communities look like, what our church, what our, what our structures look like, what, our, what hymns we sing, uh, you know, what, what our scripture readings sound like, um, what voices we decide to lift up. You know, whenever we, um, we are constantly making choices, um, you know, we're constantly navigating choices, uh, and whenever we leave people who are queer out of those conversations and out of those, you know, out of that dialogue, um, that's, that's making a choice and it's, it's sacrificing communities, um, so Uh, you know, I I feel very deeply that theologically, there's something that we need to be doing there.
0: So that, that sounds amazing. And I know that my husband has a copy of this, and I am going to be printing it off. (laughs) And I can't, I really am looking forward to 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 reading this, because, you mean, you've spoken so much about many queer Christians journey in just that little bit, like, you know, just I like to give people a little bit of background even though I'm never being interviewed they get to learn a little bit more about me as well and you know my background and is I I almost became Catholic I've said that before I was going to a Catholic University first person I came out to was a nun Um, and uh, my real like dealing with my own issues with my queerness was—I I joined uh, an organization or a community online called GayChristian.net. It's no longer around. It's transformed into some other stuff, but that's that's where that's where I started to like question and learn and just kind of you know get comfortable with who I was. Um, and so you know. I, it's really fascinating and i hope to talk to you some more sometime outside of this but you know i'm sure you've heard of the crazy ways that highland's gotten to where it is which includes which includes you know women that we know and includes Stephen and i's marriage journey and like it's 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 been an adventure and i would love to at some point let's i I think and, and this is me speaking to aaron phelps who i know will listen we have you already led a uh, theology on top about the theology on tap about this
1: no not yet but uh definitely be willing to
0: i think that would be fascinating because i i i would love to hear your thoughts and maybe have some discussion around what this means with um what it means to be baptist like how yeah. can we how yeah. can we improve what it means to be baptist we're we're in a really exciting time right now in our world where church is having to be thought of in new ways, and how, yes. how do we survive if this, hap- if this whole crisis happens again at yes. some point?
1: Well, and I really think that, um, you know, queerness can be an asset there. You know, being, you know, one thing I talk about is, um, you know, well, you mentioned, um, you know, dealing with the questions over identity and acceptance. Um, you know, one, one thing, I kind of make a comparison. Um, I, I, I talk about the church as baby gay, you know, using, using some <laughs> popular slang, the global church or the capital C, as, as ba- baby gay, you know, yep. just coming out of the closet, just starting to grapple with what identity and authenticity looks like, you know, and that uh, conversation about, you know, privacy versus, you know, being out versus privacy, and, you know, who to come out to and when, you know, and all those conversations, you know, but queerness in itself, it, it often encompasses flexibility. And I think that's something that know, can be really important. Um, You know, whenever we talk about uh, our different methods of approach and what what it means to be in a church that is queer, um, you know, flexibility is and and being being feeling at home sometimes in discomfort, feeling comfort while also feeling discomfort or feeling uh, foundation in in fluidity. You know, those things are inherent to queer identity and, and what it means to exist as a queer person in the world. So, you know, this, this is an excellent example, you know, of living through this pandemic of what community, what flexible community can look like. Um, you know, oftentimes queer communities are targeted, oftentimes we are infiltrated and disrupted. Um, a lot of times we are, um, you know, we, Terry talked a little bit, we'll talk, I'm sure about this later, but, you know, about being familiar with, you know, that sense of, uh, you know, trauma and occupation, you know, and what, what it means to be, you know, in a room huddled together, you know, hiding, feeling shame and guilt and, you know, processing emotions of sadness and trauma, you know, those those are things that the queer community has felt very deeply and that, you know our our sense of community and our sense of connection and and the fluidity that comes with that can be a real asset you know especially whenever we face difficult times so you know i hope that's something that we can all tap into
0: yeah yep and you know right now you know i just said to the steven the other night i i miss just going and sitting at big bar and having a drink mm-hmm. and sitting in a queer space and yes. like it, it's not even about the drink m- for many of us right it's right. about it's about being in the presence of others like you yeah. and I just miss that so much and I'm and I'm still I'm I'm still totally lamenting we're about to hit June mm-hmm. and yes, I absolutely, absolutely. I, I've been to many prides I've been to other prides Kentuckyana mm-hmm. pride to me though is mm-hmm. very special And I'm, I'm still, you know, I understand why I'm just very sad. And I, that we're, we're not going to get to have that this year. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, it's like a
1: family uh, reunion, you know, it's it's being, being in a, a specifically queer place like that, you know, pride, whenever I was so deeply in the closet, you know, in the deep South, pride was the one place that, you know, it saved my life. It was the one place where I could see, you know, my family living and being and existing and and celebrating. And, you know, that's deeply meaningful. So, you know, I hope that we can continue to carry that spirit, you know, through online platforms, reaching out to each other, you know, whatever that might look like in these times. I hope that we can continue at least some of that spirit of, you know, it's okay to be loud. It's okay to be loud right now. That's what Steve,
0: Steven and I follow, and I don't care if if, if you want to follow or anyone, any of our listeners follow. There is this DJ. Her name is Simone. DJ Simone. Yes. Yes. And I love DJ Simone, and I and I follow her on Facebook. And she is a drag queen performer as well. And I we listen to her. We watch her drag shows on Facebook Live we send her money, <laughs> like, it's, it's, we do what we can to stay connected and still support those we love, so. Uh,
1: yes, well, and, you know, who knows what might come out on the other side of this, you know, who knows what this might look like, I mean, you know, there's, um. there's a lot of conversations, you know, on the other side of this as well, you know, for, for what this could mean for our community and what this could look like, so.
0: Yep. All right. Well, we're going to take a quick break and hear from Aaron Phelps, the news and the newsletter. So, yeah, Aaron Phelps, take it away.
2: Hello, Highland family. There aren't a ton of new announcements this week. So just a couple of reminders and announcements, especially for the young adult community. First of all, we will be having Theology on Tap next week, the first Thursday of the month. Um, Carol will be sharing with us a bit about her research, so it'll be a really interesting and hopefully emotionally productive time to talk a little bit about that. Um, She is an expert in the ideas surrounding uh, spiritual trauma. And um, then also, just a reminder that if you've been craving some connection with your church family, the young adults, have a weekly hangout at 1.30 p.m. via Zoom. And every week, the link to that Zoom meeting is posted uh, on the Highland Young Adults Facebook page around the time it's set to start. So if you want to hang out with some of your peers, that's a great way to do it. Other than that, nothing too crazy. Keep checking the Highland Facebook page for all of the cool supplemental devotionals and content and other than that hope you're having a great week
0: thank you so much aaron for those updates now we're going to move in and discuss this weekend's ascension sunday sermon with perry and the gospel covered was luke 24 and perry's sermon was called we are waiting and um so what did you think about the gospel um we'll dive into the sermon soon but i know you you started to talk a little bit before about um violent occupation and the idea of we as queer people understand the disciples position in this um and most marginalized people would right and right. so, yeah, uh, go ahead, take it away.
1: Yeah. I mean, there's a whole lot to unpack. What a sermon. Um, I always love Perry's sermons and a lot of times I find that they're exactly what I need for that time. Mm-hmm. Um, they always yeah. hit home and you know, this one definitely was, um, was another one right in that, um, You know, the the gospel passage specifically, I really like this passage. It really speaks to uh, a lot of what my theology on, you know, who Jesus is and what we are asked to do. Um, You know, the disciples are, you know, confused. They're traumatized. They are sad. They are, you know, worried. Uh, You know, there, there there has been a clear response. This is, you know, as Perry said, there has been a state execution you know, of of their friend and their teacher, their leader, there's been this, Jesus has been executed by the state. Um, and, and that wasn't, you know, that wasn't flippant. It. it wasn't just a, a random happenstance. You know, it was, it happened for very specific reasons. Um, you know, and I think some of those things are talked about in this passage. Um, you know, we, we see a lot of times, um, you know, a, a, a hyper focus on resurrection as something that is so specific and exclusive to Christianity, when in the ancient world, um, ascension was, it, it, yes, there was, you know, a sense of exclusion surrounding it, but I mean, any Roman citizen could pull a coin out of their pocket and show you a picture of, of Caesar ascending you know, and, and so so really saying Jesus ascended and Jesus is Lord, you know, you're making direct comparisons to Caesar, and when you do that, you're making a very strong statement, you know, not only are you saying, you know, this person did something that you claim Caesar did, you're saying there are very different things going on here, Our our sense of what's happening in the world and what what is required from us, what society should look like, how we should treat each other. All of those things are radically different. Our program is different. Because if it wasn't, why would it matter? Um, so, yeah. you know, the, these disciples have gathered in this room and they're, they're asking Jesus, you know, well, when will you be back? And, you know, I love I love that question. And I love, you know, Jesus kind of flips it again as he as he's so good at doing. He flips it on its head and he, you know, he basically says something like, you know, don't, don't ask me that question, you know, you're asking the wrong thing. Um, you know, he's, he's talking about, um, his response to me, it very much um, communicates that sense of what you're doing is taking on this, this passive waiting role of mm-hmm. you're waiting for me to come back and fix everything, but what, what all of this is, is interactive, it's collaborative, and we need to be moving from passive into active. So, you know, what, what does that look like? What does right. it mean to be active?
0: Right, creating creating the kingdom of God on right. earth as exactly. in heaven. Yes. Exactly, yes. So, um, yeah, and he moves into, and he stretches this into acts and kind of, Discusses that along in the same lines, um, but to push us along, I'm going to get us into a little more of the, I guess, commentary side of the sermon. Um, and uh, Perry brings up Armad Aubrey and Brianna Taylor, yes, and Kenneth Walker situation, and that's all been blowing up in the last few weeks. And even today, so today we're taping this, it's Wednesday night. We'll put, I'll put this out, you know, tonight or early tomorrow morning. And, you know, just on Monday, Monday evening, we hear of another police brutality case videotaped in Minneapolis, Minnesota. And I just...
1: Yeah, it's the the murder of George Floyd now. George
0: Floyd. and Yeah. I'm just. Stephen. Stephen came up and told me this. I was. I was, in the middle of something and, was giving me the details. And I just. Can't. I. I. Just the anger. The anger. So you know that clue gif where she's like flames. Yeah. Yeah. Flames. Like absolutely. I. I I I can't even express myself. And you've been if you've been listening to this podcast for a while, like I, this isn't usually a problem for me, but my <laughs> anger just yeah. builds so heavy, and I don't understand it. And it's when-
1: heartbreaking, you know. It's cru- it's it's crushing, you know. And, and seeing it's you know it's racist trauma, it's racist terror, you know, placed onto these communities. You know, it's and it's a murder. It's a filmed, you know. It's streamed live murder. And, you know, it, it, like so many of these situations, you know, it's it's a name a name on a list that, you know, even even having one name on that list is too many and it's another name.
0: And it's just list. and it should just worry all of us. Like oh, the fact that someone doesn't look at another person in this way that yeah. th- that is a human being and think um, Yeah. You know, Yeah.
1: The mayor, you know, came out with a statement and said, you know, if, if uh, any of us should at our very core, whenever we hear someone calling for help, you know, should respond to that. And here are police officers who, you know, ideally, which we know is absolutely not the case, but ideally they are trained to be the first ones to respond to that call for help, you know, and, and to respond to that in a way that, alleviate suffering but you know we we know that that's absolutely not the case it's been demonstrated mm-hmm. over and over you know so
0: oh, and I didn't even bring up Christian Cooper and his situation right. in Central oh, yeah. Park like exactly this has been a terrible week and this has been a terrible set of months like we're in trapped in all this mm-hmm. and I have no doubt that like people are even more frustrated and tensions are higher because of covid and it all boils that it just i can't
1: yeah i mean there, christian cooper's yeah christian cooper situation it um, you know it a lot of us uh you know the first the very first things that I, I saw about that were um you know how this woman must have been a trump supporter you know and and Really, whenever what I've seen is that there were, you know, that she was uh, a Democrat or at least contributed heavily to, you know, Democratic politicians, and she considers herself to be liberal, Um, Mm -hmm. you know, and that's that's something we all need to take a look at how this system sinks its teeth into us, you know, and embeds itself into us the ways in which it sneaks in and manifests itself, you know. And instead of, you know, weaponizing white privilege like, you know, that that woman did, we need to figure out ways to use privilege in order to deconstruct these systems. You know, it's it and again, I think that's a theological imperative. I mean it's it there are so many clear examples you know one one of my favorites is um you know Jesus uh some people come to him and they say our friend needs to be healed and he's in this house that's he's he's within this structure and he and they can't get their friend to him to be healed so what do they do they tear the roof open they literally tear the structure apart yeah. mm-hmm. in order to get their friend healing you know what it's 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 i can't i can't imagine how much more clear you know this theological imperative needs to be
0: and and not to, to not to belabor the point but you gave us a great segue into perry's next part of his sermon which is radical love that oh, idea yes. of ripping the structure apart yes is radical right no one would think of let's rip a hole in this house just to get my <laughs> friend in to this to hear this guy talk and try to have right. a miracle performed so
1: yeah yeah, i i really love how perry he he kind of outlines a couple different ways um you know he he says you know and again this is something that i think is very important for you know a queer ecclesiology is recognizing autonomy and navigating authority and i love that he made he made a break to kind of pause and say you know i'm not going to tell you what your witness should look like you know i'm in no place to do that but Here are some things that I find helpful in my day-to-day life. And I thought that was very meaningful. You know, one of the big things for me as a queer person that originally got me interested in, you know, or even able to read the Bible and theology and, and be able to examine those things and those concepts, you know, was having someone who read the Bible with me instead of to me sitting down and reading scripture and asking, what do you think that means? And where do you see, do you see yourself in this text? You know, if so, where do you see yourself or how do you see yourself in this text? What does this mean for you? Um, you know, what do you think that this community was trying to express? Th- those are all, those are very meaningful things. And I, I like that Perry made a distinction there to say, hey, you know, here's some things that I found helpful. And, you know, he talked about, um, carrying anger, you know, like we, like you said, I mean, I'm, it's, it's infuriating and it's, it's frustrating, not only, you know, and, and seeing the, the emotional impact of, you know, the, what, what these things do. It's, it's, it's really, it's beyond words. Um, but carrying that anger and feeling it and not dwelling in it, not letting it consume us and tear us apart you know because that would only benefit this system more mm-hmm. you know for, for us to be torn apart by this um, you know and like, again if we don't dwell in it at that point there's the possibility that we can then move on to action you know and be inspired to move from that you know passive uh, witnessing of this trauma or, you know, reception of this trauma, and we can move into an active response, um, and and hopefully proactive and you know preemptive response. Um, you know, he talks a lot about um, doing what you can one day at a time. You know, giving what you can when you can. Um, yeah, I was reading a CDC. The CDC just put out a study on mental health. Um, during the pandemic, and they they found that a third of adults in the United States are experiencing symptoms of clinical depression and anxiety. And of course, you know that that it has to be understood that that also impacts marginalized communities. Right, um, even more. Even more so, right? Um, states, you know, states that are um, you know poorer, states that are you know southern states, um, areas that are predominantly black or brown um, communities, you know, of people who are, you know, placed on the margins of society, they, you know, we're going to be affected by those by those statistics um, in, in sometimes very different ways. Um, so doing, doing what we can one day at a time, you know, there's, there's something about that and about all the things he talked about, there's a sense of scalability, and that is deeply appreciated. You know, being, being able to scale these things, you know, because these problems are overwhelming. You know, when we right. think about capitalism or climate change or uh, racism, sexism, homophobia, transphobia, you know, he says to some, some days I, I don't know if I can get up and say today's the day that I'm going to end homophobia in all and every form. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it can be really difficult. So having that scalability is appreciated.
0: Um, you just reminded me. One of the yeah. first times I ever saw you was, I think, la- was Pride last year, oh. and you <laughs> and you showed up with your "capitalism is evil" <laughs> side. Oh uh, uh, yeah,
1: yeah.
0: I, I I'm sorry. Sorry to de- yeah. to derail your your train of thought, a, but yeah, I, I a, that, a that's, protest sign.
1: One of my protest signs. It's uh, "capitalism is a death cult." And that's it. <laughs> that's what it was. That's what it was. So I, 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 I yeah I looked at Perry I'll and I said, "Is this okay?" And Perry was like, "Are you kidding? Yes, please."
0: <laughs> yeah, no. Nope. I have
1: I, a I have another shirt that says um, "Capitalism is sin." You know, and uh, I I I think it's important to talk about these things and you know pair that with theological language. Mm-hmm. You know,
0: it's uh yeah. So we uh yeah um you know Perry how do you how how do you do your day-to-day how, how, how do you work through this anger?
1: Um yeah I mean for for me a a big one and he talked a little bit about this too was you know recognizing that global movements these these large global movements for for liberation these things are these these all of these movements have roots in individual lives you know, the, the personal is political, is, a, is the old feminist slogan. Um, you know, it's, it's, that's something that I can connect to. You know, mm-hmm. like we talked a little bit about, you know, that feeling of being at Pride or being at, you know, a bar or, um, you know, being in a community, a specifically queer space, something that, you know, be- being surrounded by people that you can connect to. Um, you know, even though sometimes we share radically different experiences, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's still meaningful and it's allow it allows me to connect um, and know that I'm not alone. And whenever I connect to that and I have that feeling, you know, it's also then easy to know that, you know, God is with me, that, you know, I'm not alone in that sense either. Um, so, so that's something that I think is very meaningful, um. Perry also talked a little bit about gratitude, um, you know, and waking up grateful. I know for me, you know, as someone who survived some some really traumatic things, you know, living in the deep South, you know, being able to wake up every day and be grateful for where I am in my life, being grateful for, you know, uh, friends and family who, you know, share love and compassion, um, friends that I can, you know, have these conversations with a church community that I can be in, you know, there there are so many things that I can be grateful for. Um, and when I can connect to that, you know, it allows me to leave that space of fear and move into, you know, again, a place of service. You know, how can I best use my time to help other people feel that? You know, how can I improve the world around me? How can I leave it better? Um, how can I give more than I take? And Perry mentions that as well you know those those are all things that you know allow me to you know to keep moving whenever times get difficult
0: what about you yeah um one of the things i struggle with and i have a feeling other people struggle with too is my anger can easily turn into a keyboard warrior Thing where i just let it out into the world through my outlet you know my the places i i you know twitter or facebook or and i just know that's not productive and i my problem that i i've i've come to realize is like and this isn't to say anything about anybody doing that like I think it's important to speak out i I struggle to find the motivation in that moment to put that anger towards that grassroot thing, right like yeah I still have to I'm still pulling fifty hours a week at work, right and I'm struggling to find that motivation what you know I also need to go hit up a you know protest on these 22 issues that perry covers in his sermon and and maintain a personal life and and so the overwhelming sense that perry talks about like that these are like where my head goes and where i end up which is the worst is in this kind of paralysis right where where i just don't do anything or I do, and, and so I try to, I try and I've had to, like this is where I've struggled a little bit with, with some of my church activities, y'all. If you know, I'm, I like to volunteer for church stuff and I, ha- I've had, I, I have to be very careful now with what I get involved in, right? I have to be passionate about it in a way that I, I will actually show up, right? I can't just say yes to everything anymore. Right. And
1: Then we just okay. get burned out.
0: Yeah. And then I, and then I can't help anybody. Right. So, you know, volunteering with churches is a passion of mine and I try to do it. And I just said yes to something else recently. <laughs> <laughs> I but, wouldn't know anything
1: uh, about that, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, but, there's a, there's a really great uh, trans activist and um, um, a, he, his name's Dean Spade and he, uh, he founded the uh, Sylvia Rivera Law Project. Um, and he, he, writes, um, he writes a little bit on uh, mutual aid and, and what mutual aid is and what direct action looks like. And a lot of times we get caught up, um, you know, throwing things into the, the chasm of social media, you know, and, and the algorithms just reach nobody, you know, because it's not profitable, um, you know, and that's, that's exploited. You know, there's a, there's a lot of times where we don't want to wait another four years. You know, we don't want to wait until the next election for things to get better, you know, and, and pin our hopes on something off in the distance. You know, and bringing that back to the gospel passage, you know, I think that very much comes down to, um, you know, waiting, waiting for uh, the kingdom or the kingdom. you know, versus building that and, and bringing that to fruition here, where we are, you know, I really, uh, I also appreciate um, Carter Hayward is a wonderful uh, lesbian liberation theologian. Um, and she talks about a practice of um, relational particularity. And just to kind of, you know, ex- expand on that a little bit, it's, it's, again, holding that flexibility, you know, being flexible with who, who is being oppressed and what can I do right now? You know, who, who is facing oppression? What does that look like? Where does it come from? What does that ask of me? You know, how much can I give towards that right now? You know, and being flexible in that, but not being flexible in the theological imperative, you know, not being flexible in the, the search and the, having that goal of liberation you know, and have, having that in our hearts. So, you know, it, as long as we can apply that, you know, sometimes that looks like, you know, writing something on Facebook or, you know, whatever other social media platform people use, you know, and sometimes it, it has to look different than that, you know, but it, there's, there's lots of different ways for us to apply ourselves. But again, it is also that balance between, you know, participating in that and, also not, not being overwhelmed and burned out. So um, I really like the analogy of being in a choir, you know, and that's one reason I kind of looked for a faith community in the first place. Um, You know, one person can't hold a note forever, you know, but the more people you add in, the easier it is to hold that note and to sing, sing a song. Um, You know, if somebody has to take a break or needs, needs a breath or has to step away, you know, that's, that's okay, but there's, there's a global church community, you know, with a capital C that is that is here and that is active and that the spirit is working in and moving through. So, you know, be, being able to connect to that, I, sometimes it can be difficult, you know, it, it can be really difficult, especially with all the news that we hear, you know, but. Uh,
0: I love that analogy and I, I was reminded today I think it was uh oh today's Wednesday, you know it was tonight on my calendar was supposed to be our spring uh concert for the orchestra, yeah, <laughs> and yeah. of course it didn't happen, but right you know, it, it it was still on my on my calendar um, I think that's a great place to leave off or or to to end with um Lily um and I'm gonna close us with. Uh, Perry's closing from the sermon if you didn't listen to it just a reminder it's on Facebook live go look at it but Perry said and he's quoting of course God is still with me God is still with you and we are with one another thank God for that
1: Amen.
0: Lily, Lily thank you so much for joining us this has been a wonderful conversation
1: thanks for having me
0: and just so everybody knows, uh, we are going to have, if you've been paying attention, I think uh, Aaron's already mentioned it. We're going to have a digital call weekend. Woo! Who, knows, who <laughs> knows what that means? Who it's, y'all, we are, we are in a wild ride. So, you know, they are, the pastor search is trying to figure that out. And yeah, who knows where that's going.
1: We're not uh, alone. We're together in this. Just yeah. hang on. Hang on everybody.
0: <laughs> yeah. You know, we are we are redefining church, y'all. It's a very exciting time. Um, and so, yeah, I I had originally there is one more young adult ministry group member who I have not had on this. It wasn't you weren't the last one, uh-huh. but Alicia uh, Alicia Fuller. Uh-huh. We've been holding out to bring in for whenever we do eventually do a pastor search thing. Yes, here so we go. Time for the tea. I might have to I'm going to try to get her to come be on our show and we can still have her back. Yes. If and when cuz it still might be a while for for a, for a pastor or for the uh call weekend, but um yeah, we're I'm I'm so excited. I'm looking forward to it. Um if you all have recommendations or if you want to be on the show reach out to me. Um, I'm sure you can find me somewhere in in the world, David Bannister. Um, but yeah, have a great week and we will see you all this weekend. Thanks, Lily. Everybody (laughs) Everybody have a great week.